0: Uh, so, welcome everyone, first of all, uh, to another edition of the Water Cooler Conversations. Uh, like every Saturday, we have got a very, very interesting uh, founder with us uh, and we would basically run through their uh, journey as well as what they are doing and hopefully there are nuggets of, uh, of knowledge that you people pick through this conversation uh, and you can implement it in your life as well. So tonight we have Bhavik Vasa. He is the founder and CEO of GetVantage, which is Asia's leading revenue-based financing fintech platform. Uh, for all of you who don't understand how revenue-based financing works, it's basically, you know, uh, to put it uh, to put it in simple words, Get GetVantage helps startups raise funds without taking any kind of equity. Uh, we'll get into how it works. But before that, uh, just a little bit of an introduction about Bhavik himself. Bhavik is a two X founder. He has more than a decade of experience in fintech, alternate finance, uh, digital payments, mobile technology, startups. Previously, he served as a founding team member and uh, chief growth officer at ItsCash, uh, which eventually got uh, acquired by eBix, and was a founding member of uh, Radical Payments and ISTS worldwide as well. Welcome, Bhavik, to the Builders Club and the Water cooler Conversation.
1: Thank you. What a wonderful way and initiative. So first, my kudos to you guys for putting a club like this uh, for creators and builders like us. And just very happy to uh, be a part of this and have a chat with all of you all on a Saturday night.
0: Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Bhavik, for doing this. Uh, Bhavik, we would probably start off and, you know, I... You know, I initially told you that this is going to be a fairly casual conversation, but we would want to probably start off with uh, your initial journey. How exactly? You know, where were you born? Where did you study? What were the initial jobs that you do? And you know, you have had an illustrious career. Very frankly, I was looking your LinkedIn profile. You're making me.
1: You're making me sound very old already now. so I... <laughs>
0: No, but that's true, right? I mean, it's, it's been a decade of you going through, I mean, I guess you started off with Wells Fargo and then you were in ISDS and then you started your first company and then your second company, you were mentor. So just wanted to understand, you know, how exactly was that whole progression? Because, you know, from a, as, as a third person, it seems a lot, but of course, you know, for you, it has, it has been a natural progression of events, right? So just wanted to understand how exactly... You know, what exactly have you been doing before, before getting
1: oh, on stage? Sure, sure. And uh, we'll, we'll try to keep it as short and not sound as long and illustrious as uh, uh, so you nicely put it. Uh, so very simply, uh, guys, uh, I'm a Bombay boy, born and raised. In fact, born in a family of businessmen. Uh, and so literally summer vacations or summer holidays was with my father uh, driving me into spending time in the office. Uh, And the factory with him, uh, and I would get a gold spot back in the day. uh, uh, You know, if I ended up going and spending the holidays in the office and factory with him. So that's where the roots and the foundation uh, really come from. Uh, Thankfully, uh, I never ended up in the family business, which is even today a a decent exports business. And uh, thankfully, I never ended up having to join it. Uh, But really, that's where the roots come from. Uh, Started my career. Uh, in the U.S., uh, and literally, like I say, I stumbled into financial services. Uh, really, again, uh, nothing, nothing planned. Never thought I would go work for a bank. But when Wells Fargo Bank, third largest bank in the U.S., gives you an on-campus placement, you just take it up and uh, you know uh, go work for them. And I think that's how I not only stumbled into the BFSI segment, but uh, that foundation of uh, uh, finance. Uh, was set there, uh, but then look again. Being in the Bay Area, in the Silicon Valley, the heart of, or what we call as the Mecca of uh, startup world, right? Uh, had to very quickly uh, join a very small tech boutique shop, um, and again, uh, to be so candid with all of y'all, it was nothing uh, big, nothing planned. We just hustled our way and started doing things around mobile payments and mobile wallets and digital. Wallets, uh, uh, you know, back in two thousand five, uh, six, literally, and and some of y'all might remember you, we used to have these brick size Palm and BlackBerry mobile phones, right? And everything was a different handset, different hardware. Uh, so again, look, we just ended up doing a lot of uh, early pilot work for Visa and Google and you know Safeways of the world, where we were doing mobile payments for. Uh, Uh, These businesses, and uh, uh, again, I think the word fintech, so didn't exist back then, right? There was no this, there wasn't there wasn't this fancy jargon or buzzword called fintech either. We used to call ourselves emerging payments, mobile technologies. Uh, So that's where again, you know, built that business. Uh, That business got a good exit in two thousand nine to a very large uh, U.S. processor called FIS, Uh, and then contrary to other opportunities, chose to move back to India. Uh, and again, uh, at the very front end of a new category building, right? Again, digital payments and fintech uh, was a very, very, very early word. I mean, 2009, 10, guys. I can only tell you that startups in itself were such a such a nascent uh, ecosystem, and within startups doing something in digital payments with its cash um, was 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 very very early in itself, uh, and so I can really remember i mean all of you guys are either aspiring founders aspiring startup enthusiasts i can tell you back then we used to have five six vc firms and you know a handful of angels literally that's how large the market was and from there on went on to scale and build out its cash india's earliest fintech uh, scaled scale that business to a 3 billion annual payment volume business uh 30 40 million in revenue uh, and that's where we then uh, were able, and I think I, ki- I kind of take a little bit of uh, credit for the exit of bringing a Nasdaq group called eBix into India and that large M&A that happened. Uh, this was 150 million transaction between eBix and its cash, uh, which I then ended up running the consolidated group in financial services. Um, and so, yeah, you know, long and short, that's been my journey over a decade plus now in fintech, in mobile technologies, in early days of innovation around financial services. And uh, look, uh, what we ended up or what we see ourselves now doing at Get Wanted. so well, again, no, no Eureka moment. This is not, you know, waking up one fine day and said, chalo ye karte hai abhi. It was really just through my own journeys as an operator, right? I am just like all you guys. I'm a founder operator. Uh, I've been in the same shoes where you need you need all types of different capital. You need all forms of growth capital uh, to scale a business. You need equity money. You need you know debt money. You need marketing spends, growth spends, seasonal money to build businesses in uh, especially emerging markets like us. And it's been through that one experience as an operator uh, that we clearly identified and i clearly knew there was a gap that we had to find alternative uh, uh, modes of being able to raise capital and that's really what kind of sowed the seeds of what you will now hear and see as get wanted
0: yeah 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 no, so that's that's a very interesting journey and in fact that actually shows one common trait which we see in all founders that pick one industry and be a master at it you have been in the fintech journey for a long time and that's the reason why probably you could even understand and, and see the need gap which was there in the market. And this was a long time coming. Very frankly, this whole revenue-based financing bit is something which very few people, I mean, people who are insiders probably know that this is this is there. But uh, a lot of people are not that conversant with, uh, with, the, with the whole concept of revenue-based financing. So, wanted to mm-hmm. you know just probably eat your brains on that aspect. That, as an operator, what were the need gaps that you saw in the industry? Because you you were yourself involved in in, in, in investments at that point in time. What what were the need gaps that you identified, and where do you see the model that you're following solving them?
1: That's a very loaded question, well um, But to kind of break it down, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh... <laughs> Look, I, I, I'll be super, super honest with a glass of wine on a Saturday night, right, with all of you guys. Uh, I, You guys, you know, I shared my journey with you. And what's interesting is I'm neither a finance major nor am I a technologist by background, right? I've never written a line of code and nor do I academically come from a finance background. What I really just wanted to share and leave it all of you is, uh, and so like you said, right, you, you know, the biggest strength we can have as builders and creators is to very quickly catch trends and, and be able to look at what gaps are there that need uh, solving for. And I think I I think it was for me or in my journey, what I've understood is really clearly keep identifying early trends uh, and solve for those. Really go by a lot of gut and experience uh, of, of what you think have been your problems. Uh, and if you identify what your problems solving for them just makes it that much more uh, interesting and passion driven. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, look, it's no rocket science, uh, you know, especially in India, we can say, right. And I think Mm -hmm. you were mentioning, so well. we've had a few of my founder friends, businesses we've backed, funded, uh, join you guys on this chat uh, over the last few weeks and months, right. So, be it Bharat from Rage Coffee that you would have spoken to or Arjun Vaidya who's a... Wonderful friend, partner in the Get Wanted journey also. Uh, what, what you're s- interestingly seeing is all of these are guys who've been building a lot of emerging brands and e-commerce and B2C brands, right? we are seeing that major shift happen. And and what has been this trend, especially in emerging markets, right? We fundamentally saw the last decade, especially in India, we saw the last decade where commerce went more and more digital then payments followed suite, right? Payments has gone that much more digital, yeah. right? And if you really understand that, that's that infliction point, right? I spent my last decade doing that. It's was a journey about digitizing payments for uh, businesses that were going more and more e-commerce and, or going more and more digital. And now if commerce has gone digital, payments has also followed suite. Now this is really where funding and financing has to follow, right? This is the area which is going to see the largest growth. And this is the area where, i am actually hoping that a lot of your uh, uh, community members founders builders creators are really thinking about building these digital first new age emerging brands and and that's where if we can find a very very interesting model which is very no strings attached founder friendly in its two sense and very tech driven right mm-hmm. so even before guys even before we go into uh, what revenue based funding or what RBF is? What is this alternative alternative platform of financing? Um, let's take away one thing, right? Mm. That A, in markets like ours, which are very emerging and developing, we need all forms of capital. We need all forms of credit and capital, right? Mm. So yes, I'm not going to be the one telling any of you that you know one model or one structure is better than the others. But I'm certainly going to say that please understand and identify what you need money for. And then how are you going about uh, raising it because yeah. venture capital angel funding accelerators that entire ecosystem has absolutely grown by leaps and bounds in just the last yeah. five years in our country right and yeah. which is brilliant for the ecosystem for all of us mm. but at the same time so that structure is still very human driven and yeah. a little bias driven in a lot of sense of the ways. Yeah. it's really about who you know not so much about your own business's performance yet, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of you all who are listening, uh, I'm sure have pitched to various VCs, angels, right? I'm sure you might have a lot of you all might have raised capital. I have certainly done a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we have to understand and appreciate and acknowledge that's a different model of equity funding. And that's still a lot of human uh, uh, biases within there. Yeah. Yeah. And if we all are building if we all literally today are building a lot of digital businesses that are very tech-enabled and digital-enabled, right? Mm. We're building it on platforms that are online. We're collecting uh, payments from our customers and consumers all digitally. Then look, there has to be a, a digital way to fund our businesses, mm. which looks at what is our new asset. The new asset of all of our businesses is this is this digitization. And based on that, if we can have a you know platform that is able to really value what I have built based on my performance, can I really value the business based on performance not on just a human bias right and really make that very tech driven and data driven then I think that's really where uh, the really real real strong need of digitizing even how funding and fundraising happens right so I think that's that's the first first, uh, piece that I wanted to leave and share I mean really the conversation so you and me spoke right this is really not about the business or what we are doing. It's just about really saying that all of us can make a difference and we all have to believe. And this is really that passion that drove me personally. This is an opportunity or option I didn't have 10 years back yeah. when I moved back from the U.S. to India to build. Right. Yeah. We still had to go to five or six of these angel investors. Yeah. Uh, there were just these five, six VCs. And that was really the only way that a new age, early business and a startup could raise money from.
0: Sorry. Uh, so. Uh... Th- thanks a lot for pointing that out because you know 90 percent of the startups that we also speak here in the builders club uh, you know majority so, and there's a trend here so people here don't know that there is there are other alternatives to equity-based financing uh, people either assume that i have to pick up a loan or i have to get funding from somewhere and when i say funding it's usually equity-based funding and uh, you know i think you know and this is this is something which i'm sure that you would also agree to that 90 percent of the startups that i meet are usually idea stage and before building a product they basically jump into going you know, start start thinking about how do i pick up so, money so so so,
1: so this yeah. is on all of us here right all of us today that are on uh this this chat together uh look I'll tell you very honestly, it's also not that easy building a new category all the time. And I don't know what it is with me, uh, that every time I'm always more excited being very early in building a new category. We were doing prepaid and mobile wallets in 2000, you know, 10, 11 in India, uh, when honestly for a decade or for the longest time, my friends and family A, didn't know that startup was a startup, right? B... Digital payments meant digital payments meant payment gateway. Ya kuch, aisa hi kuch hoga, matlab, you know, people didn't know what I did for a long time until Modi ji went up on in 2016 and really said demonetization. Then suddenly fintech and digital payments became everybody's understanding, right? And mindset. So even the same way, when we are talking about this new model of RBF, pioneering this, setting this up early, look, it comes with the territory of challenges. It's exciting to do something new. But that's where <coughs> I ask for help from each of and every one of you, man, that we have to build and spread the world and build this awareness that there are alternatives. There is another option for all of us, right? And just spreading that as a community uh, is where, uh, you know, we will have half the battle won. soil well where, uh, you know, if we all start taking a little bit of control back in our hand as operators and founders, yeah. right? A lot of angel investment I have done is purely from my own experience as a founder uh, and wanting to back other founders because we, yeah. we so many times and again, uh, you know, just in a very humorous and lighthearted way, right, guys telling and sharing this with you, we so many times hear a lot of investors who come from really good academic backgrounds, they've, they've you know, been big consultants or investment bankers and you realize they say that they are founders first, mm. right, mm. but they've never really been an operator, and you kind of wonder that, you know, if you never really run something yourself, you will really not know the pains and the challenges and, and what are the, uh, you know, uh, issues and, and support that a founder needs to come up with. Yeah. Um, and so it's easy to come up with these buzzwords like founders first uh, and say that we are very empathetic to founders. But if you've really never been an operator, uh, you wouldn't know uh, what it takes or, or what are the challenges there. Yeah. So we we have to do, uh, we have to first do good for ourselves. Yes. Uh, for a long time, like you said, uh, so if, for a long time, we only thought equity is a way to raise money in startups because bank loans are very difficult to get, right? Yes. Yes. Because traditional traditional lending or traditional financing has failed in emerging markets. Our uh, normal small businesses, ko SMEs and MSMEs, don't credit in India. So yes. yes. forget early businesses and startups that are not even profit-making or don't have a track record, right? So that option is out of the window. Then the only option left is a lot of these accelerators, angels. And I'm not really saying as a founder, our job is to hustle and get any and every form of capital that we can get our hands on. Uh, But as we do that, let's all together even take a little control back and spread the word that that there are alternatives. And in a lot of ways, we can help each other uh, just the way a lot of stuff that you guys do in this community.
0: No, Bhavik, it's a, it's, a, it's a very interesting point that you raised, that you're actually one of the first ones who's actually creating this category right now. So I was having, one of our previous guests was Ashish Tulsia, and was the founder of POSIST. And uh, he was also one of the first guys who was building a POS system for the restaurant uh, industry back in 2011-2012, he started. And he was telling me that one of my biggest challenges was educating the people, because half of them, not half, 90% of them didn't know what exactly was it that i was doing even my customers didn't know that this was an option and i'm sure that you know this is a similar problem that uh, you know you also might be facing just you know wanted to touch upon and probably to educate the people here in the audience what exactly is revenue-based financing and, and how exactly does it operate and you know probably we can also get into the details of how Getvantage uh, operates this this uh sure. strategy.
1: Sure. So let's 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 start from. And I did see that there were a few CAs and finance guys also in yeah, yeah. in the room today. Uh, and so I'm going to try and uh, not get too technical, but at least do touch upon a few things. And hopefully everybody walks away with uh, 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 something new that they've picked up through the chat today. Um, so, so well, revenue based or RBF uh, is a quasi equity structure of financing. It's another way that we structure financing and funding and i think all of us understand right that funding even if you take equity funding it's funding is all a function of how the deal is structured either capital is given and stake and equity is taken control is taken in a business but you do realize that even even that form of capital that we believe is uh, just investments has to be returned it's just a different tenure of returning right but we all know equity raising equity money is the most expensive capital that you can raise, right? Because you have to give back uh, or the expectation of the investor is that they get a return of 100x yeah, or, you know, uh, in, in a three-digit X factor. So, that's equity as an instrument. And then, of course, on the other side, uh, financing uh, which is very traditional lending or business loans uh, comes from this concept of you know uh, uh, interest rates, uh, balloon payments, bullet payments. But I think we've also somewhere extremely over-structured finance over the years, right? Reducing interest rates, balloon payments, bullet payments, it's just, it's over-structured in a, in a lot of sense of the way. And that's where RBF as a quasi-equity structure somewhere is in between, right? It's neither equity, it's neither a business loan, right? It's sits in between. And I actually tell people, and I'm sure, you know, a lot of you would have heard uh, and, and some of you might be even saying this, uh, that, but I actually honestly say we are not disrupting anything. With RBF, we are actually just simplifying venture finance, mm-hmm. right? And what RBF really does, it simplifies venture finance, where we give capital to a business. RBF is about giving a capital advance and funding a business based on its last 12 months, 18 months of business's performance, last six months, last... Uh, quarter of business's performance, the revenues of the business, uh, the f- operating function, uh, operating margins of that business are taken into account. And so what really RBS, and the way it simplifies is we give a business a capital advance. We charge one flat fee. So as a business, as a founder, you now know what is your capital and what is that one cost of capital for it. And you're going to now repay this. Right, as a small percentage of your future cash flows and your future revenues. So, as your revenues grow out, right, and come about, you're going to slowly, uh, as a small percentage of that and a small percentage of your business's performance, really, how your future revenues perform is how you would uh, uh, repay or or um, you know clear out uh, this form of funding. And uh, it's as simple as that to give it and break it down in 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 numbers. Say we were to be able to fund a business with $100,000, uh, we would charge one flat fee and now the business would pay this back as a small percentage, 5, 10, 15 percentage of their uh, future revenues into business. As soon as the business pays back, that mm. principal and that flat fee, boom, the round one is over. And it's really as simple as this. A lot of founders tell me it just seems too good to be true because there is no, there is no equity, there's no warrants, no convertibles. Uh, no safe notes, no CCDs, uh, nothing so complicated. And on the other side, it's not even any traditional way of collaterals or, 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 or personal guarantees that founders end up having to give or promoters ending up having to give. Mm-hmm. So really, that's how this is just an extremely, extremely simplified way uh, of how ventures and, 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 and businesses can take that capital that they need to keep growing their next stages of revenue and allowing their revenues to uh, uh, really uh, repay that and keep scaling uh, with a very very no strings attached model mm.
0: this is a very interesting model so uh, so from what i understand number 1 idea stage startups are not eligible uh, number 2 you basically are uh, taking a percentage of the future revenues so mm-hmm. there has to be a way for you. So isn't, isn't there a risk involved in this? Because you, again, I, I want to understand how are you removing the subjectivity from your overall process? How are you making it observable How are you making it objective?
1: Oh, 100%. And that's where I, I, I started off by sharing with all of you all that we have to find a more tech and digital-driven way, a more data-driven way Because that's what all of you, I believe, are either building your businesses based on tech and data, and that's how you would also want access to capital, which is very performance-driven, just the way you're probably uh, starting to, uh, you know, quantify your businesses. And to your question, yes, you're absolutely right. This is not uh, early stage or, you know, idea stage funding. This is not for, uh, you know, Capital that you take to, you know, just get an idea off the ground. Absolutely, as the name suggests, revenue revenue-based financing or RBF certainly needs the business to have some trajectory, six months, ten months of revenues at least. Uh, because, so to your next question, the only way to objectify and to create this a very performance-based funding mechanism is to have some pattern and trend and background and run rate of what the business's revenues have been, right? And so, yes, uh, this is more of a growth capital rather than a seed check or a pre-seed check for any business. But as long as a business is at least doing a bare minimum run rate of revenues and it's it's getting some uh, gross revenues coming in, uh, absolutely, they can take RBF because the quantum can be as small as, you can get as less as 5 lakhs of funding to as much as 2-3 CR to a quarter of a million dollars, right, in terms of the growth capital that you need based on your requirement, businesses, performance, etc. And second part to your question, of course, any sort of funding, any sort of funding instrument is very, very risk. Uh, risk is inbuilt, right, in any sort of funding and financing. And so this is also not privy to it, but really, how do we de-risk the model so much more with tech intervention and data intervention, right? And we will try and certainly touch upon a little bit of that as well in saying that, look, it's not only Mm. what we do as RBF, Mm. right? Uh, Which is how a funding or 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 a line of capital is priced at. So it's not only the what we do, but it's really the how. The magic lies in the how, and the how comes from that experience and expertise as a, as a, as a fintech player, right? Where what we've built is an extremely tech model, which connects with all the businesses, connects into their last 12 months performance, their digital revenues, connects into their uh, merchant platforms. If you're on a Shopify platform, if you are any sort of an online business collecting revenues from payment gateways, like Razorpay, PayU, CashPay, We just connect into those. We connect into your Google, Facebook accounts, so we understand how you are spending in digital marketing or in digital spends, uh, you know. And so, really, if you are able to understand a business from its real-time data, fund these businesses right based on their past performance and this data, and continue to monitor the performance of these businesses as well as they are a portfolio and as as the tenure or the repayments of the funding kind of comes through uh, that's how you further keep the model and the evaluation very performance based and you de-risk the model uh, by having that much more real time uh, visibility and connectivity with the businesses and like i mentioned earlier right that look every small business every digital business today the asset is their data and the tech and that's what we are valuing and and connecting into uh, because Again, that's that's the way we securitize this. We're not taking collaterals. We're not taking equity. There is no fancy paperwork, lawyers, uh, nothing required, right? Because it just is using to both our advantage of what our businesses are, what our data and tech, and, and how we want to grow it uh, with that much more discipline of taking capital, growing our revenues, getting to the next milestone of MRR, and continuing to grow the and scale the business. You uh, know, extremely, extremely non-dilutive way in a way which you are not losing control as the founder operator because you you know you still do it the way you need to do it right Mm -hmm. and i think those are the pieces that make this an extremely tech data driven but as we rightly said and what we started off the thesis and wanting to build this is a genuinely founder-friendly way of giving capital uh to help businesses grow
0: get into uh so this is what this is machine learning enabled is what i understand right the back end mm-hmm. uh, so the moment you get into this kind of a model uh you are kind of and this this might be a tricky this thing for me also to put it that you kind of take out the intuition bit that uh that an investor has that hey you know this is a hidden gem they, they probably are Uh, you know they might be able to do do something big in in what they are trying to do and that's that uh, that gut instinct sometimes you know ends up giving you a a a 100x kind of a return as well what you what your model is doing is is, it is actually kind of fairly de-risking the the overall for as an investor for me this one has much lesser risk than taking a subjective call on the basis of how the founder is like or how the market is like and where the trends are going also probably uh, how do you how do you take the trends into account like for example you know 2020 was the was the edtech boom the 2016 2017 was the digital the fintech boom and uh, and and you know the the 2013 and 2014s so we saw the transportation ecosystem boom how do you take those macro trends also into consideration in this model
1: So, your question itself had a lot of the answer inbuilt. And I would actually uh, highlight or point out one very interesting thing you said, right? That how do you look at data and how can data speak more than anything else? But look, we also started the conversation by saying that bias or human bias goes both ways, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, you mentioned that there is a little bit of that gut or thinking that, oh, this might just take off and skyrocket and so let's fund this. But that goes both ways, right? Aren't we seeing a lot of promo driven funding also, yeah. right? Yeah. Which, is, which is anything and everything that's uh, not even needed to is just getting funded uh, without logic and reason behind it. Yeah. And at the same time, so many times, how many of us has gotten rejections? only because that opposite person didn't get conviction. That word conviction is overutilized, right? Where we go and spend so much time with an investor and and, and an angel or a a VC fund or an institutional, and then they suddenly say, oh, we don't have conviction in what you're building, right? Now, what I was trying to highlight is, data is extremely valuable. Past performance is a great indicator of where a business will go as well. And what we are suggesting and saying is that, look, our ability and the platform's ability to understand basic things. And that's what I mentioned. Looking at things like what is your spends versus your revenues, right? We start calculating what is the ROI on ad spend? What is the ROS? In these days, we talk about return on ad spend, right? And we are all ma- measuring um, 3X, 4X, what's my ROS on my business? Mm. Right? And so, fundamentally, see the first thing that we're doing, unlike when you ever go to take a bank loan, right, they look at your last three years balance sheets, right, an IT return. But we all know businesses are changing so much more dynamically. The last quarter, the last month has changed the way the businesses function, right, suddenly, right So, gone are the days, firstly, of looking at only rear-view mirror data of a business to underwrite and evaluate risk of that business. We not only had to take the past performance, but with the pattern and trends, you're able to also predict what is that future potential of these businesses. The ROAS that has been driving, certainly, understanding and the platforms' understanding of various businesses, cross categories, sectors, you start also being able to understand what you know. If I was to increase the uh, in, in my my ad spends or my digital infrastructure by two x what would my revenues change by? And so it's a little bit of all of that, right? Think of B2B SaaS businesses for a minute, right? What we really need money in a SaaS business or a subscription driven business, right? Uh, You yourself run a digital business as a, uh, you know, in EdTech, HealthTech, and you mentioned the EdTech boom as well. Look, literally what we needed money for was infrastructure. You need money for Digital infrastructure, your Amazon, AWS, or cloud hosting bills, right? You have to increase your infra today to have more users because you will have these users pay over a period of 10, 12 months, right? Your revenues will come over the subscription of the model. But what you really need money for today is increasing your capacity uh, on the infrastructure to onboard more and more users, right? So once we started understanding all of these trends and patterns, what you're taking away is a lot of guesswork from the model. Right? And again, like I mentioned to you, let's also be very realistic and, and, and highlight that this is not your risk capital. Look, you should. Absolutely. Every business a, at every different stage needs different forms of capital. Right, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, we need to raise uh, equity money from time to time and it has its own different value and need. But take that kind of capital, which is the most expensive for experimental lines of business, for new lines of business that you want to do R&D, for capex expenses that you need to invest in upfront, right? Not using that money for very pattern-driven sides of your business, right? Capital that you need, which has a very direct pattern. It's about saying how much marketing and reach do I do that my revenues will change, right? How much do I increase my uh, capacities? How much is my logistic uh, invoices or bills that will get made of uh, uh, so that I can get, what is that inventory that I can take to be able to drive growth? So I think it's about also very clearly understanding what your business needs and hence then understanding what form of capital suits you best for that particular requirement. And lastly, I actually say this with umpteen amount of uh, conviction, confidence, validation that you as a business might or might not need other forms of capital. And we've seen success stories from very bootstrap businesses. They have never touched external uh, equity money, right? Mm -hmm. Or on the other side, we've seen great success stories which just grew on taking a lot of investor capital, Mm -hmm. right? But all, both these side of the spectrum need revenue-based financing because we all need a little bit more this quarter, right? For seasonal spends to increase reach. Or we want to basically stock up more on our inventories because season is coming up next quarter. Right, so RBS suits everyone, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just about understanding and recognizing what you're taking, what kind of money for, and mm-hmm. as long as that is very, very performance driven and performance based, mm-hmm. uh, that's what not only de-risks the model but adds predictability in the model, and that's how businesses can also and should be able to grow with a disciplined fashion where you're not carrying. Lastly, you're not carrying a lot of long-term debt in your business. Mm-hmm. You don't. As a young business, don't take long-term debt which sits with you for two, three, five years when, like you mentioned, a lot of the environmental changes happen and you're not able to service that debt or repay that uh, as a big lump sum amount, right? Uh, At the end of two years or three years, you have to pay back a big business loan and you have to now suddenly arrange for that large capital one time. That's when the cash flows start becoming more challenging um, as well.
0: Very interesting, Bhavik. I'll have just one more question and then we'll open it up up, uh, to the audience. Good. Uh, Cool. Uh, So I was just going to talk about the Founders for Founders initiative. Want to understand the origins of it? What exactly is the plan for it? And what exactly do you people do
1: there? Thank you for asking that, Sol, because that's a project and initiative that I'm very passionate about. And it's very close to my heart. Uh, It came out in this pandemic time. Uh, it came about from that as well, and I'm going to keep it very short and simple because I know a few of you have questions. Uh, you know, when when the first lockdown happened in March 2020, April 2020, I think we all were hit by surprise, right? We all didn't know, firstly, what hit us, what caught us. Uh, but post that, and through the last 12, 18 months, uh, I think we've seen a roller coaster of a ride. We've seen actually roller coaster is a Easier, you know, uh, comparison. We've actually seen snakes and ladders, right? We thought we were out of it. Back again, we got sucked in. And I I think I personally saw a lot of the founder community stand up this time. We all were, in our own ways, volunteering, helping with, you know, health support, oxygen, finding hospital beds. I think we all were doing a little bit, right? And there, while a lot of that was happening around volunteering, around personal health and and finance, what really clicked to me is we all are so vulnerable in these times. Mm. And also, we are all founders. We are all folks as operators also trying to build something. And in talking to a few, we started seeing that, look, we all had started having a lot of vulnerability in our our day jobs as well, right, in building the business, not knowing now what to plan for. You know, there were businesses and founders that were... uh, Completely lost, and I think mental health uh, was something that was not so so big and being talked about, uh, which I think all of us suffered. I, I myself have had sleepless nights, right? Like all, like a lot of y'all, and that's in where we realized that while a lot is going around around, you know, physical health and more pandemic-related uh, personal health and family supports, uh, that area where founders like us, operators, builders like us needed also a little bit of support, a little bit of a community support group. And that's the origins of Founders for Founders, where, again, no strings attached, nothing fancy. All we tried to do as a bunch of us founders is saying, let's do a one-on-one chat with any founder and an operator that just wants to have somebody to talk to. We all know entrepreneurship and founders' journey is so lonely. We sometimes can't even talk to our our closest friends or family because they don't understand it, they don't come from what industry we are building for, right? Yeah. So that's where Founders for Founders is a small initiative. And folks would love for you all in our small ways to spread the word. So, I would love for the Builders Club to kind of collaborate with this uh, again. And all we've done, and we've been having amazing founders just join in and support. And all we've done is a founder. Uh, an operator just kind of coming in, signing up and wanting to have a 20-minute chat one-on-one with another founder either in the domain, in the industry or just something more more generic. And what we realized is we just needed somebody to talk to, just somebody to share and discuss with what is going on. Really, nobody wanted answers. None of us are experts. None of us have any answers. But just that one-on-one mentoring or that one-on-one chat uh, is what Founders for Founders uh, as an org is doing. And would love for you all to kind of not only come and join the community, spread the word. And just in our small ways, if we all can just spend another 20, 30 minutes and chat to our founder once in a while, right? Once a month. The world of good uh, that we can do to that person's mental health. And they, they just need somebody to validate Yeah, We sometimes just need to talk to each other and say, look, this is, this is, this is, this is this. And boom, we're just giving a listening ear. So that's founders for founders for so.
0: No, that's a very interesting point that you raised, yeah, because I, uh, you know, the the origins of the Builders Club was also exactly this. Uh, we believe, and this is come, this comes from a personal experience, yeah, that uh, you know, uh, entrepreneurship is a lonely journey. You absolutely put it in the right way. It is exactly what I also keep saying. Uh, that entrepreneurship is a lonely journey and you just need somebody to talk to you know there is nobody to tell you what is right what is wrong you just need somebody to talk to speak to take a little bit of an advice from and guidance from just somebody to validate what you're doing and probably tell you that you're in the right direction or wrong direction and and do a little bit of a course correction that's just about it rest i guess each one of us since we have this instinct uh, this this you know this this royal itch that we want to scratch we will eventually make through it it's just a, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when as long as you continue persisting and the biggest problem which people the biggest mistake which people do is giving up and we we kind of and that's that's our motto, you know. No, keep building, no matter what. So you know, perseverance is the key. You know, failures are just uh, just milestones. You, those are just learnings, and then you move on to the next chapter. Uh,
1: Fantastic! Please keep championing this in all senses of the way. Super absolutely. good.
0: So so in fact, you know, I would I would love to have a separate chat around founders uh, for founders and what we can do together. Because I see a Please. lot of, lot of uh, similar vision in terms of what we intend to do with the club and let's have a separate chat around that. In the Absolutely. Meantime, let's, let's just open up the floor for questions. So, uh, Harsh, let's start off with you, then Chandrakant, you can go, then Sharat, and then Durga. Uh, Harsh, we can start off with you. Sure.
2: Thanks, Sohail, uh-huh. uh-huh. for uh, having me and thank you, Bhavik, for enlightening us uh now here's the thing as we all are uh first let's take it to, uh, to the first time founders uh let's let's uh take you to uh, when you were starting off uh, as a first time founder uh you said that you you don't have an expertise in either technology or finance now mm-hmm. i i i have an expertise in finance but what happens is i am zero in technology now to build a tech-driven startup or any platform per se let's even to say in a simple e-commerce website apart from shopify of course uh i have two options either i can hire a techie or i can get a cto on board as a co-founder in both these two options the technological the technology guy has an upper hand and i am a bit insecure as in kya patai kal ko mira, uh idea lega, clients lega, he uh me ko kar diya. there are so many insecurities which a first time founder goes through. So, how did you exactly overcome them and set up a team uh, with your uh, technology asset space?
1: No, that's a very, 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 very simple question. Uh, something that I think all of us have experienced or gone through. Uh, and 1st I'll tell you some consolation. First time or second time or third time, man, it's still the same tough challenge to build the right partners, bring on the right co-founders, right team, always is still the same. So you're first time third time no difference. The only difference is that, like you asked the question, a first and foremost, I think you've done the right thing, openly being able to admit and accept what you're good at and what you're not, right? And I'll tell you. Just like you've taken the risk, Harsh, to wanting to do something on your own, right? The first piece of a startup, and entrepreneurial journey, and I'm just trying to give you comfort because there is no easy answer to your question. The easiest answer is the way you've taken a leap of faith and jumped into trying to do something of your own instead of taking something more comfortable, right? You've asked yourself already that same question before wanting to become an entrepreneur, which is, if I had took a job if I took a nice high-paying company good on my resume secure more comfortable paycheck but you took a leap of faith you took the risk of not going down that path wanting to do something your own and so your answer lies in exactly that same thing that your job on a daily basis is to keep taking risks keep taking that leap of faith don't worry yes you will meet a lot of good and bad people along the way right the more gyani answer I could give you is yes it's a simple thing Whichever skill sets you don't have, you have to bring on that person and the team. How you bring on is up to you, whether you bring that person on as a co founder, as a CTO, or you bring that person on as, as a team member. That's all very specific to your current challenge, right? But mm-hmm. what I'm trying right. to highlight is don't shy away from that if and but. <laughs> to backstab already risk. You've taken risk in everything, in every sense of the way. So don't worry. Do it with your best heart and gut. Good people will join along you. You will have experiences, and every bad experience is only going to teach you. Every bad person who cheats you is only going to make you that much more enthrined into learning and understanding the sector. Please don't take me wrong when I said I don't come from that background. Uh, of tech or finance, but doesn't mean I didn't teach myself a lot of it on job, right? As I built out stuff, as I, of course, got experts, I learned along those experts and alongside those experts. So even if you bring on someone in tech, why are you worrying that only he will learn your idea? Why aren't you having the confidence that even you will learn five new things alongside him as he builds out something for you? And lastly, boss, nobody, people can steal your idea but never your execution. I have been in your space where I have 10 years ago, what I wanted to do. Of course, three more people learnt it from me and tried to do it themselves, right? But execution is where success will come. And in fact, in today's day and age, idea is actually the smallest piece because information, we all have access to ideas, right? 10 years back, it was still different. Right. As to the US may launch with tomorrow it gets launched in India in terms of tech, in terms of idea, everything. Right? So, look, idea is just the starting first step. Your job is continuing to take the leap of faith, take the risks, and keep finding your way around those risks. Failure or success will keep happening in different forms. Trust me, so many times, I have had a very good, skillful person. Uh, join me and then leave me and I thought that was disastrous that that person would have left me but in hindsight I've always seen that actually was the good thing for the organization because sometimes you don't need people who are highly skilled or over intellectualized because we are not going for perfection when we are building a startup we are going for execution we are going for getting things done not over intellectualizing it as well so whatever happens keep believing it's for the right reasons and your job literally is to keep taking risks and keep taking those punches man we are in a boxing match. Keep taking those punches. It will come in various different forms.
2: Thanks, man. This helps a lot, man. Thanks. Mm-hmm.
0: Thanks a lot, Harsh, <laughs> for the question. I actually want to add, add one thing here because I've been through a similar journey. Uh, we are, when it comes to people, trust is paramount. You know, skill sets, you'll find 500 different people with, the, with similar skill sets. It's who matches with you, with who? With whom your working compa- compatibility works, and whom do you trust. So go for those kind of people. Even then, if you fail, at least that's a learning experience. Yeah. And, and there's nothing more to it. I mean, you just have to move on and, and find the next person in line.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Cool. Thanks a lot, Harsh, for that question. Chandrakant, you're next.
3: Uh, so, I basically was uh, wondering about the. Basically, uh, there's an uh, algorithm or something which goes into when a new brand or company is coming for your fundings, right? Something sort of it. Which is. Uh, it's, all, it's,
1: all, it's all first and foremost just simply
3: from data and past performance. Yeah. You
1: understand patterns.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Algorithm, no algorithm, it's about just very quickly understanding. Yeah, we all, we all understand cricket, right? and we understand that ultimately whenever in any match and this to your question also as well right yeah. you look at the last many overs run rate to then predict what you need ahead right yeah. so absolutely it's as simple as taking patterns uh, and making sense of those patterns uh, and then trying to make certain calculated projections uh, and predictions of where this would trend towards right yes Chandler Khan. that's exactly. exactly how the platform
3: so, so, is there any uh, human touch also which goes into it uh, or like, or the, uh, only the, like, basic, so basically, As what is course. that, what is that part which uh, is taken care of?
1: A hundred percent, yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, even we'll asked this question, Chandrakhan, before that, you, you know, what we are trying to take away is we're trying to take away a lot of human bias, but not the human element out of it, right? So, yes. In every funding, we have a very strong core team. We have an investments lead uh, that looks and, and works with the founder on the business. There is an analyst uh, on that particular business and case who handholds the, the, the founder and the entire deal through. Uh, the difference is how much of human intervention. I am, in fact, you know, all of you all can even uh, look this up. I have been a biggest proponent of digital, right? We are human beings, physical and digital is very, very core to us, right? It is a mix of the two. Uh, But really in our process, Chandrakhan, to answer to you, the human analyst, certainly the data and the platform and the algorithms gives the data very clearly. But that has to still be understood in one dashboard and one way reviewed by the human element. So the beauty is that what we've done is our investment and funding is not 80% human, 10%, 20% Excel sheet. It's the reverse, right? It's 80% technology from data from source uh, with the uh, you know uh, algorithms making certain predictions and it's that 20-30% of human intervention which which does look at certain qualitative factors. It's very important to look at those qualitative factors uh, uh, as well and it's that right balance and mix that we've kind of driven this to. So Chandigarh, to answer your question, yes, there will always be an investment's lead uh as well as an analyst that works on every funding deal of ours
3: Yeah, and you talked about uh, removing the human bias basically. So when you must have set some uh, answers to particular questions, right, when you would have set the whole thing up. So it was you or the whole core team, because if it is one person then it can always be biased, right? If one oh, person so has said the whole thing.
1: So what we are taking out the when we mentioned what we're taking out from the biases we're taking out from the bias, which so when a human decision starts itself from a bias, right? Yeah. What we're taking out that the starting point of evaluation and, and and evaluating or analyzing something is not starting from human bias. What I meant by that is Sohil mentioned this earlier, also, right? We see cycles, right? Suddenly EdTech is the most happening thing. Sublog ed tech me funding rahe. It's starting from a bias, right? Mm-hmm. What we're really saying is. Look, what we've done is just created certain analytical and credit policies, right, uh, to evaluate a business. Like I mentioned, the most simple thing of starting off is every business that connects and applies and with us for funding, we start by looking at its last 12 months performance, its revenues, its, its uh, marketing spams, its growth, its seasonality of its business. There is no bias. This is not starting from even my bias of, of, of that business or anything we're just simply starting from how the business has operated in the last 12-18 months, purely based on its performance and data, right? So, what we are saying is, let the performance of the business talk for itself, rather than starting off by saying, those are biases that we start off from, which is in this case, we're not starting from those biases, we're starting from a lot of data-driven decisions, right? And so, data-driven decisions, again, there is no set algorithm. There are just set parameters and boundaries, right? We look at the last 12 months data pattern of the business. What's that average revenue over the last 6, 8, 10 months of, of that business? So these are just rules okay. of the engine. These are not biases uh, or, or exact set predictions that we are going after. But removing... The starting point being a human bias, removing that to be very data-driven is what the game-changer we personally think and believe uh, has to be done. And that's why we call ourselves, in fact, Sandhaka, on this question of yours, I have to share this. While I spent the last 10-15 years in fintech, mm-hmm. as I shared with all of y'all, uh, we really truly, and again, it's not a buzzword, but we truly feel that what we're now doing is tech which is really tech-driven funding, right? And that's where we start from tech and data.
3: Okay. In Basically, it's I a do. complete analysis job, which you it's are analysis. doing. Absolutely. Yeah, complete analysis. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks a lot. Like I got the whole aspect about it. Hmm.
0: Chandrakan, tech can always be an enabler. It can never replace humans. So that's... Uh,
3: yeah, I have tried it a lot of times. That's why. A... <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I understand that you yeah. uh, cool. Thanks a lot, Chander, for that
3: question.
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, Bhavik, uh, it was a nice talk. Uh, Thanks. Uh, I have so many questions, uh, but uh, (laughs) I I try to uh, stick to three. Uh, One is uh, so your input data that you you choose to uh, find the patterns is 12 to 18 months. So, is it is it as per your experience? Is it sufficient to to get an impression on any startup? Is my first question. Second, in your model, is there any risk mitigation plan you have? Third, so what is your advice to uh, someone uh, new uh,
1: to get into this finance business, which I am interested in? Great. So. Let's try and quickly answer those three. I know it's getting late on a Saturday night for each of these three questions. Um, Durga, uh, the last question is the most difficult because I don't know what advice I can give you. I need to know what excites you. Where where do you want to jump into? What field do you want to do? What you want to do? Because there are a lot of things happening in in the you know infliction point or confluence of finance and technology, right? Uh, so yes, the world is your oyster uh, because just the way... Technology, like you said, uh, so technology is an enabler. Finance is the common thread across any and every business, right? So both of these things are huge enablers. The innovation in these two aspects have, uh, you know, really changed the landscape of what all you can be interested in. Noga, uh, I don't know what your background is. Look, look us up if you like what we're doing. We are hiring. That's my small pitch and play. That anyone wants to kind of get excited about what we are doing, come join us, if nothing else. you love to talk to uh, founders, other businesses, evaluate, analyze, take funding decisions alongside us. Uh, so certainly that could be one area, if nothing else. Uh, your other two questions. Uh, look, we, of course, look, as, look at as long a data of the business as possible. Of course, we take their GST data, last three years, balance sheets, whatever, how, depends on how long and old the business is. We look at all the data the first time around. Why I mentioned the last 12 months is because that is what we believe in today's day and age. Businesses are so much more dynamic that a better sense of where the business is going is in the last real data and tracking of the last 12 months. And the reason it's last 12 months is so that you cover at least a, a calendar year. In fact, we look at early businesses also. We actually... To clarify to all, everyone here, we actually fund businesses that are just six months old but are revenue generating also. We will of course look at as much data we have. See, the more data we can see, the bigger the exposure we can take. So your question two on risk mitigation is our understanding of as much data uh, we, can, we can transparently see, uh, we will be able to take that much more uh, larger quantum of funding or risk uh, as well. And what you asked is ultimately the last 12 months or a calendar year also allow you to understand the cyclicness and the seasonality of each business. Every business, every industry has a different seasonality or a cyclicness. One calendar year or 12 months allows you to also make sure you understand that or the engine understands that really well and takes that into account as well. And takes into account anything else, So, like you said, you have two months of lockdown, that's an abnormality, right? We at least try to take away all of those short-term abnormalities with that piece. And lastly, you question, Durga, that what is that security? Look, the same data points and the tech, that visibility is the additional uh, uh, securitization, right? Because what data points we looked at and revenue run rates we looked at during the funding decision, we continue to look at those same during the tenure, of the business being in our portfolio and funding and, and repaying the funding, right? Uh, so the same API is, if you are a, if you, if you understand tech is the same APIs, which allow us to do live monitoring of a business. So we understand and we are seeing how the business is continuing to perform, uh, as it is our portfolio as well. Right? So that is also a great way, a live monitoring and a tech driven way of monitoring is also a great way to risk mitigate, uh, in any form of funding and financing, uh, so, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, that's my sh- simplest way without getting too much into technicalities. Of course, there are five more layers uh, deeper into what I just said. But at the high level, that's why we continue to say that it's the tech and the live data, which is all our strengths. And we are tapping into that for every sense of uh, e-risk. Hope that answered your questions. Uh, yeah, got it. Th- thanks
2: a lot, uh,
0: Thanks, a lot Durga. Kamal, sorry you dropped out the last time. You can ask, and after that, up you can have your chance. Kamal,
2: so
1: thanks for uh, thanks for doing it for a weekend. Man. Great insights, great uh, like great takeaways
4: from this session. So I had two uh, for I had one question. So uh, let's see. This is something which excites me also. The revenue-based financing is something which is
1: very new to India. I guess. Uh, maybe in the like in the foreign markets, this has been a trend. But in India, it's, it's pretty much new. And uh, so how do you go about educating founders and people about uh, that there is another option than VCs, accelerators and incubators? Either you go
4: with like uh, partnering with VC firms or how, how do you go about the, like, the custom acquisition plan, if you can say, like that?
2: Well, every
1: and all things that you mentioned, absolutely. We have to talk to everybody in the ecosystem. man. that's the shortest way to say it. And when I say everybody in the ecosystem, it means literally everybody, other investors, VCs, angel networks, uh, other platforms and vendors that you use, right, in building your online business. Uh, to share with all of y'all, uh, we are the biggest partners with Razorpay, with Shopify, uh, with logistic companies, with marketing agencies, uh, look like any other way that uh, you would hustle to get your product out there, uh, the same thing we do. and. Uh, Another way is exactly what I am uh, asking all of y'all to help with, is Mm. we as a community, this is for the first time, guys, and Kamal and Soil, really, that's what I'm empowering, Mm. you know, you guys as an organizers, as evangelists of the Builder Club as well, that for the first time, we as operators and founders are getting the ability Mm. to get back in our hands the control of how we fund, who we fund, and how we raise funds from, Mm. right? Uh, And so I think, yeah, look, uh, these are communities that help us spread the word. Um, And lastly, uh, Kamal, uh, you will hear me say this multiple times and my entire team. Uh, We don't have a mission. We have a passion uh, to work with founders like you. Uh, So it's really driving that passion in every direction to get the word out
0: there. So I I was just going to add here, is that one interesting thing, uh, Bhavik, about... uh... About your bit is that the startups which are eligible, which are legit, and which are actually doing good business, they will at least definitely, uh, you know, uh, benefit from from your model, from the from from the advantage model, because many a times people have this, you know, there's a luck factor involved in in funding, and I can say this because I've gone through it, and so have you that irrespective of how good you are there is definitely a luck luck element involved your model kind of takes out or takes away that that uh, you know that bit that had i been able to find that you know get those 30 seconds with that investor probably i would have made that elevator pitch and things would have changed so that thing basically goes away with this model which is a very which is a very beautiful thing because then uh, uh, that was one, my, my one cent which I wanted to add. Uh, Sharat, you can go now.
4: Thanks, well, Thanks, Bavak. Okay, I have two questions. One is, uh, do you fund competition? Say you have funded Rage. Say tomorrow, Sleepy Owl comes into the picture. Do you fund something like that? That's first question. Second question is, say, for example, you funded a company, they've grown, and you have a set of investors into your own company who's investing into this particular thing. You have a lot of venture capitalists. Uh, do you, if these companies come back to you saying, okay, I want to raise a series uh, rather than the uh, the fund what you support, do you guys support in that also? These are two my questions.
1: Sorry, the network was a little off. I heard your first question. Let me answer that and then we'll try and touch the next question you had. Uh, and I would like you to re uh, repeat some of that. But your first question, in fact, the beauty of this model, Sharat, is there is no competition. It starts from my own personal belief that look, we are not an equity investor and a holder. We don't take controlling stake. We don't take uh, ownership in any one business or any one uh, uh, brand. Right. So realistically, right, the beauty of this model is. Like I mentioned, revenue-based funding is for all kinds of business. Because if you believe that every business is focusing on getting revenues, we are funding them based on their revenue. So one takeaway for all of us and, 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 you know, the opportunity is as large as any and every business that makes revenue is eligible, right? And D, you asked a specific question, look, we've already funded four coffee brands. Why only Rage, right? We funded pretty much four or five businesses in every sector and category. And even the founders have no challenges in wanting to take capital because the beauty is not anyone's data is going to anybody else. B, we at least understand and help the brands in that category with a lot of other support as well, because we understand that every sector and every category is different. The ROS is different in every category, right? And the beauty is that, look... We know that some businesses and some categories, Sarath, to your question, uh, need more capital for uh, inventory because they have a larger inventory cycle or the inventory is more expensive. Some categories of business need more capital for marketing. Some categories of business, you'll be surprised, actually need a lot more money for logistic bills because the biggest expense item for them is the shipping charges, right? And that cycle of uh, uh, COD capital or money coming in as well. So, no, we've, we've... Today, we have a portfolio of more than 75, 80 businesses across 18 to 19 different categories that we've funded. Uh, and so RBF is a funding instrument for every business to raise money. And the same way, RBF is for everybody and get one for all businesses that need capital. That's the answer to the first question. Can you repeat a little bit of your second question uh, on... you meant, I think what you were saying was... If we have a portfolio brand and they want their next series check, do we help them? Was that what you typically were asking?
4: Yes. And uh, probably uh, one more thing to add up to that is, do you uh, help in terms of any support which uh, a venture capitalist can give? I'm, I'm sure you are supporting in terms of uh, marketing or in terms of, say, anything related to uh, all your uh, uh, tie-ups, what you have there might be something more which a vc can give also so do you guys do that part of it also if required
1: no if it's it's not if required we absolutely do that we are, in fact the reason it is called get and not xyz capital is because we don't only do capital we are truly a founders platform and that's what i you know truly believe we are building is capital plus intelligence efficiency and support and this is truly a win win model Look, it's profits with purpose. We are also building a business that's to do well, right? But I'm really saying this because this is the only model that is really win-win. Because if I fund your business, right, and I help you with a lot of those other areas of support that you need, your revenue grows faster and it's all better for us in terms of you will repay that faster as well. So this is truly the model which is so skin in the game and, and attached to both our outcomes which is about growing your business and your revenue. And two, um, in fact, (laughs) what's become interesting is every VC fund, actually every angel network is working with us, not only so that we can fund their portfolio, because we are great scouts. Every business that we have funded, in fact, we have a lot more real due diligence and digital data uh, and diligence than on a business. So when, when any business and brand is funded by GetVantage, by inevitably a lot more investor and institutional capital is following that because they know we've done a lot more thorough diligence on that business so the brand is actually already getting a lot more inbounds for if and when they need uh, that institutional check uh, also
4: great that answers thank you
0: thanks a lot Sharat, for that question Uh, I think uh, Bhavik I have one last question and then we'll close it's almost close to midnight but as I told you if the if the conversations are interesting this usually stretches a little bit I hope you you have time Uh, and there are people in the audience also uh, willing to listen in Uh, I just wanted to touch upon one bit uh, on your whole experience with the with the finance and the fintech bit Uh, and and the fact that you have been I mean you are basically in the in the on the other side of the table as well you're seeing a lot of macro trends right now and this is this is the times of change you know times are changing uh 2020 has brought in so many changes in terms of both consumer behavior as well as the macro trends which have accelerated uh wanted to get your uh, you know your thoughts on which what do you think you know the top three industries slash sectors where you see a kind of a boom happening, and where exactly do you see the next, the next round of opportunities, the next Ola, the next PTM, the next Zerodha being being formed? If if I tell you all
1: those, if I give you all those tips, uh, then soil I have to have twenty uh, percent uh, carry on whatever investments you make, based on that. <laughs> Definitely. But uh, on a, on a, on a, on a, on a more on a more serious note, absolutely. Uh, Get vantage is about not only getting uh, funding, as I was mentioning, but that vantage point, right, or that vantage uh, that we give to all our stakeholders, uh, which is not only our brands, uh, our backers, our, our, our partners, uh, and the community as well. And so I can tell you three, four very interesting trends. I think one for most uh, to take away is there's been a huge and absolute consumer behavioral change uh, that happens only once in a decade. What we've certainly seen is all of us as consumers are now that much more con- comfortable buying everything online, yeah. paying for everything online, right? And that is a huge consumer shift. Look, in India, we've been a country which uh, yes, last decade was e-commerce, uh, but at the same time, in even in e-commerce, one of the things was so that even in e-commerce, you still had a lot of COD and marketplace buying, right? Marketplace is ruled because that's where consumers uh, uh, could only find brands, right? But what we've seen as a big shift is, and I tell this to every, every brand that's working with me, focus more and more on prepaid orders now. Uh, even if you're doing a services business, collect uh, the payments upfront front. Because customer is very comfortable now and he trusts. He and she are trusting now the online services in business. So that has become a huge change where you are seeing a lot more confirmed orders. It's not about, you know, returns and refunds being uh, the, the, the very core uh, cost and expense item across any sector and category, right? In itself, this is hidden an answer that, look, every business in the country now has to understand and learn to go online. You can be an offline brand, and there's nothing wrong with it, but have some some elements or some percentage of your business also online uh, because that's where the customer is getting more and more comfortable to access and reach you and get your goods and services from. Uh, So if you're an online brand, yes, COD is still a large chunk, but try and move more of your customers to prepaid. uh, Two, if you are reaching customers through a lot of marketplaces, Here is your chance the customer is buying directly from the brand website app from the captive channel, right? Mm. And so you are seeing that huge shift. Uh, And this is not only for product. Let me not only say this, that it's only for D2C businesses that we are seeing scale up or emerging brands coming up in D2C and e-commerce. It's even on-demand services. We funded businesses like car mechanics, car maintenance, car washing, on-demand services. subscription-driven content, right? So what I'm highlighting is that these are the two, three large trends uh, that if you are looking at entering as a new business, as a new brand, or if you're already a business and a brand, start leveraging and capitalizing on some of these very, very clear, uh, uh, you know, aspects. And to give you an answer, look, I'm the most opportunistic guy as well. I think Indian consumption story is here to stay for the next ten years. It's going to be a story about a lot of local Indian brands gone. Are the days we're going to buy only or use only global products uh, and services? Um, so this is this is our decade ahead, right? I'm not talking at macroeconomic level. I'm just generally talking at a founder and operator level. Get into any category that is growth and potential because the consumer is here and is willing to buy local brands and local businesses, right? Uh, so. Opportunities across sectors, across categories. There is not one that is faster than the other. And in fact, find areas that are not so cluttered, right? Personal care and B two C super cluttered, right? Everybody's probably getting into that. Find the opportunities because it's across the spectrum, and just hold on to some of these trends and build your business around those trends, uh, and you will make a very very good sustainable business. I look at the next decade being uh, hundred thousand brands of Indian. Uh, origin that will do 100 crores in revenue, right? Uh, Will be profitable 100 crores of revenue annually, great businesses. So on a a parting note, not all of this needs to be a valuation and exit play. You can build great profitable brands and businesses uh, that give you much more back as a founder and operator uh, than just what you chase is valuation and exits in the other play.
0: No, no, I... I, I absolutely agree to this point, especially is because, uh, you know, people don't understand this. But actually, if you really want to make money, then the old form of doing business was actually the best way. You know, the the, 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 the the evergreen industries where you are guaranteed, I would say guaranteed to make money are the manufacturing businesses, are the ones where, you know, proper dhanda, bolte ne, isko, dhanda chalana. So that was that. And now the whole startup ecosystem is a fairly glamorized form of more risky way of doing business. Um, and and people sometimes lose touch with reality or lose touch with what exactly are they trying to do because they get caught up in all of all of these, uh, you know, all the all the all the babble around them.
1: Perfect. No, look good on that note. Uh, like I said, there's just a lot more. Uh, ahead of all of us in every way yeah. and i think each one can now uh, and i think the last piece i leave with is soil as we spoke about founders for founders uh, i am a believer of collaboration please take over the uh the property as a community it has to be all community driven yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there is uh the only one aim is what i'm very very fascinated by now is Ten years ago, we didn't have this because a lot of our startup guys were still trying to prove ourselves. Today, now with the ecosystem growing, I think that much more power to each of us to not only make sure we succeed, but take a few along with us. Yes. Right. Because this is not a win. This is not a, a race where we have to walk over two, three others to win the race. Yeah. We can all walk together across the finish line. And I think that's what's going to be the game changer for the Indian industry. Uh, and all of us, if we can, if we can, in our own small ways, uh, do that uh, together, I think this is going to be an interesting ahead.
0: In absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry that probably we couldn't spend more time on the founders for founders initiative because I would really uh, would have loved to know more a little bit more probably on that front. Uh, if we can, then probably we can also have another session, probably at Twitter Spaces, bit on that bit, or probably another session, another water cooler chat around that as well, or probably uh, you know, let's have a discussion. no. there is
1: Priyanka has been very nicely, uh, yeah. patiently been listening in. Uh, she's the champion who's championing the championing the cause, uh, with with us on that, and
0: uh. On stage, I've just invited you in case you're still there. Hey, Priyanka. (laughs) So, yeah. Hi, everyone.
1: Hi, hi,
4: hi. Uh, In few minutes, it's good to say good morning to all of you.
0: Good. (laughs) Okay, so we'll just... uh, We'll take it.
1: So, you can take it offline with her. And we will will suddenly connect. And uh, look, we can talk about that we can talk about that we can bring back uh, we can bring back uh, arjun and me together to talk about founders yeah, yeah, for yeah. founders also with Absolutely. you and uh, uh, certainly we'll let you guys come up with whatever innovative interesting ideas you all have to to push the builders community like i said uh, yeah. i like the name you guys said the builders club we are all creators and builders i don't think uh, any other name suits us all better um, so good Look, Sohel, thank you. Kamal, Sohil, for having me again. Yeah. I, I, I thank uh, Harsh, Durga, Sarath, Chander, all of you guys. Uh, lovely questions. Thank you for patiently listening. Uh, more power to all of you and more power to the community uh, that we, we build, build something good and strong together. Thanks, Sohel.